0: Hey, massage friends. I'm Stephanie Rodriguez. Welcome to the USO LMT Massage Podcast. I'm your host and the founder and executive director of USO LMT, your new massage association. We are here to educate, elevate, encourage, and empower present and future massage therapists to get involved and push our industry forward through positive change. So, let's get into today's topic. everybody. I am your host, Stephanie. You are listening to the USO LMT podcast, and I have some great guests on with me today. I just want to introduce them. My first guest is Sheila Alexander. So Sheila is a graduate of the Suncoast School of Massage in Tampa, Florida. Um, She is an approved provider for continuing education for the NCBTMB, and she was an inductee into the World Massage Hall of Fame. Um, She was a contributor from a massage magazine and member of the AMTA, and she has been featured in the charlotte observer and on nbc tv in 2002 she returned to her native home of north carolina which i love because that's where i grew up (laughs) and to um home care her father with Alzheimer's, and then provided care for her mother's terminal cancer. And in 2004, she created a specialized massage practice for continuing care community in Davidson, North Carolina, for their residents in all levels of care and continues to expand in spa therapies. In 2012, Sheila was approved as a provider for continuing education to teach this work to the massage and healthcare communities. So Sheila, thank you for coming on the show. So happy to have you here. Thank you. All right. And then we have Irene Diamond. Irene is a pain reliever and mover improver who helps to both, um, helps people and businesses get out of pain and get moving. In 1995, she founded San Francisco, California's first, very first wellness center called Diamond Pain Relief and Wellness. Um, It enjoys referrals from other healthcare providers and locally and across the country. Irene provides a long-lasting welcome relief via in-person and video visits for no more than four clients a month, specializing in resolving conditions for people who have been told you need to live with it. I love that, Irene. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to have you on the show and talk a little bit about what you have been doing as far as your telehealth practice. That got me really excited to talk to you because I feel like that's something we really need to do, especially over the last couple of years with COVID. And I don't think a lot of therapists have adopted that yet. So really excited to have you here. Um, A little bit more about Irene. She is the creator of continuing education courses for therapists and clinic owners on effective approaches and strategies for business excellence and clinical competencies to provide fast, effective, life-changing results for their clients and patients. Her inside-out rehabilitation approach, active myofascial therapy, the Diamond Method, and the spa version called Diamond Active Method is blowing people's minds and offering around the world a select group of hand-picked therapists and organizations with the goal of activating people and planets. Her latest book, Design Your Dream Practice, is Fast Becoming the Bible for Mental Health Massage physical therapy, chiropractic, and other health and wellness clinics to transition into a precise private practice that attracts and serves affluent, appreciative clients. In 2013, um, Irene was also a massage hall of fame inductee, and she's a frequent guest author an in-demand speaker and presenter for many health and wellness publications, associations, podcasts, and stages. So thank you for coming on the show, Irene. Very thank happy to for have the you honor. here. Yes. And then we have Charlene Gaffney. Um, Charlene has been a licensed massage therapist for 21 years with much of that time spent in private practice in Memphis, Tennessee. She's got over 18 years of massage teaching experience, both in entry-level and continuing education. Her undergraduate degrees are in language and psychology with a master's in English from the University of Memphis. She is a registered instructor with the Thai Healing Alliance International and a certified massage bodywork educator with the AFMTE and the founder and curriculum specialist for Elevate Massage Training. She has studied, practiced, and taught Thai massage and oshiatsu exclusively since 2008 and leads annual Thailand study tours for LMTs since 2016. I remember when I was in school and we were all like, let's, let's study Thai massage in Thailand. How do we <laughs> do that? That was like a big joke going on for about uh, the last three months of my um, of my school and that was really funny, but still haven't had a chance to do that, but man, I would love to do that. Um, you can find out how to train with her in Thai massage and Ashiatsu at www.elevate massage training or connect on social media at train elevate Facebook and Instagram. So we'll give you that a little bit later um, and make sure you know how to find all of these great guests. So thank you, Charlene, for coming on the show. So I pulled my group massage therapist redefining the future and today they want to talk about burnout as a massage therapist and how to overcome that. So I wanted to start off. I have some questions um, and then you know we'll just get into some conversation about it. but I guess the first thing I want to try to define is what is burnout? Anybody want to speak to that?
1: It's when you don't want to go to work. <laughs>
2: Number <laughs> yes, one it is. And what yeah, that would- pretty much sums it up. It's, you know, <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you think you dread it versus thinking you're excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Physically, I- emotionally, mentally, spiritually.
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of think of it as some kind of just extreme exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Like when I experienced it, I felt like I was mad at my clients. <laughs> I was irritated. That they kept asking me to do stuff. You know, um, I would get irritated at work. I would wake up in the morning and dread going to work. Um, and I think a lot of it was the type of work that I was doing. So when I changed the way that I was working, it actually really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess as far as burnout goes, like when I looked up the Mayo Clinic, they had a bunch of questions. And one of those was ha- Have you become cynical or critical? at work. And I was like, yes. Have you guys experienced it in your own practices? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you want to share your stories a little bit?
2: Mm -hmm. I'll start. For me, I've been in practice now forever. (laughs) And when I when I became a therapist, it was by default. I didn't go into this thinking this would be my career. I went into it as a means to an end, a way to make fast money legally where I could see a client or two you know make a hundred bucks because at that point it was like 45 a session or something so make a hundred dollars and then go and do my real thing which was a travel uh, luxury travel company and I was running around the city I was in San Francisco so I was doing a client therapy session, running and teaching an aerobics class, going back to my computer, doing some work, making phone calls, doing an, uh, another set therapy session. But, you know, it, like the whole day was just going, 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 going. So I wasn't resentful. I was tired. <laughs> I was exhausted. You know, I'd come home at the end of the day after eight hours or so of appointments. And I lived in San Francisco in a walk up three stories, no elevator. And I'd have my massage table and I'd literally stand at the bottom and look at those stairs and just think, how am I going to get up these stairs? And that was it. So it was literally just the, the candle was burning out. <laughs> I loved it. I loved what I was doing, but it was, I need. I knew at that point I needed to figure out a better way. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually, you know, it was the impetus to move, to change the way I practiced which is great now looking back, you know, mother, what is it, uh, necessity is a mother of invention. And that's what I needed to do. I had to figure it out and I did, but it took hitting that wall for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: What about you, um, Charlene? Uh, Well, when I think about my first experiences with burnout, um, I think about how I started out in the profession of massage therapy. Um, And my first job in my career was working at a resort spa, and um, I was 19 years old. I've grown up in this profession, so I started at 19. I'm still doing it 21 years later, but, you know, at 19, I was so eager to help and heal people, and um, I I remember I was always getting very um, involved um, with clients and their healing Um, And um, in the resort spa environment, um, it made it difficult for me because I remember at times working five or six days a week and doing um, anywhere from seven to nine clients. Um, We were on that 50-minute session model with a 10-minute break in between and an hour for lunch that really turned into about, you know, half an hour to scarf down some food and and take a deep breath. And maybe if I was lucky to uh, get outside and uh, get some sunshine and some fresh air and some vitamin D before being stuck back in my hole with no windows. (laughs) uh, working, you know, one-on-one so intimately with people, you know, um, so it's just such a deep, um, it's such a deep profession. I know a lot of this, um, go into it for different reasons, but I really wanted to help people. And, um, I was always overthinking things and always trying to go in a little bit deeper than that model allowed me to. And so one of the best things I ever did for myself was to go into private practice because now I can, um, have control of my schedule and and do things the way that I need to do it to play to my own gifts as a massage therapist and as a healer um, um, and to structure my business in such a way that it supports me and my lifestyle and um, ultimately decreases burnout
0: yeah um, I know the hour lunch. <laughs> When I was working in a franchise, sometimes I would work eight hour days and I would have an hour for lunch and I would be on that hour lunch and just so tired. <laughs> Once I got to that point, a couple years in, I would just be so tired that I wouldn't want to go back to work. And then sometimes I would just be like, can you just make my lunch shorter? Because if I sat down for an hour, I would just be like, oh no,
3: I have four you more lose hours. lose your momentum.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. You know? It was easy to... It was actually easier to just keep going with the sessions and just Uh crank them out back to back over and Uh over again than it was to stop, you know, but Uh physically it's not sustainable, but certainly it was easier to go along like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing that really is one of those signs of burnout is lack of control over Uh what you're doing right? You can't, when you're working in a job, you can't control when you're booked or who you're booked with or how you're booked or any of that stuff, you know? So it is a lot easier, I think, in private practice where you can actually control the clients and your schedule and all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, um, Sheila, how about you? What's your experience been?
1: Well, I really identified with what um, Irene said in terms of you know we've, you know we're. I think Irene and I are closer to the same age, and you know we've had uh, we got into this when we were um, a little bit older than Stephanie. But um, just you, one thing that I don't think massage schools teach is that you're going to need more than one source of income when you become a massage therapist. And I I think you know the school's job is to make sure they pass their exam and schools do a great job of that. But that is the one thing that I wish I had known when I was in school is that I I needed more than one source of income. um, uh, When I got out and started working, I, I had a portable table as well that was in my car. I just absolutely had a passion for chair massage and I still do. And so I did um, a lot of a lot of chair massage events. I had four business cards when I started out. Um, worked for a chiropractor um, uh, because you need you need experience, and the only way you're going to get it is by getting out there and paying your dues. So um, the two things that um, you need in this industry is are is knowledge. And energy to get out and and start working. And um, another thing I will um, that has helped me um, manage my burnout is professional associations and just the fellowship of other therapists. I think too many people, including myself, tried to do it. You you want to do it by yourself. You um, and uh Charlene when you became a, a sole proprietor I mean that is like the best feeling in the world when you become your own boss and you have that kind of control that you control your fees your hours it is an incredible it is so empowering but um you can't you cannot do this by yourself you must have um a support group and I really encourage uh therapists to uh, join their professional associations to get that support that they need.
0: Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And you need positive association, right? You don't wanna be around a negative therapist or somebody who is, you know, just experiencing that same thing as you are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's nice to have people to relate to, but it really doesn't help us recover when Mm -hmm. we really need to do that. We need to be around positive people who are gonna like uplift us, um, you know, support us and help us in any way that they can. And when it's kind of like that negative to negative, you know, we're just sharing Mm -hmm. our bad stories. It just doesn't work. And I think it just kind of makes things worse. So, um, so let's talk about how can we recognize when we are starting to experience burnout? Because I know for me, it kind of sneaks up on you, right? It's kind of snuck up on me. I thought everything was going along fine. And then all of a sudden I was like, why am I getting mad at my clients? Why am I getting mad at my boss? Why is this happening? You know? Um, and a lot of it, like I was working extra, I was probably working about 42 hours a week. And I thought I was good, but I wasn't good, you know? And, um, one of the things I think that helped me was changing my work. So I would have a lot more variety in what I was doing, but when it starts to sneak up on you, like, how do you recognize what's happening?
3: I think I could speak to that. I think the, the very first thing we need to do is realize that oftentimes, uh, the physical exhaustion is the last sign of it. Um, Irene touched on this earlier that um, there's different levels that you can be tired on, right? Um, Mental, emotional, and spiritual levels, just as much as the physical level as well. And I mean, no matter what we have to face it, that our work is physical, Um, And that part of it is always going to be there and we have to do things um, like conditioning um, and um, physical self-care. Um, to keep up with things and avoid the burnout, but recognizing that there could be other levels. Like, for example, maybe you're actually burnout out on a mental level. You know, maybe you've been overthinking things um, and you're not leaving work at work and you're talking about work outside of work and with colleagues outside of work. And I don't mean the, the networking and support group thing. I certainly think that that's important. But, you know, at home when you're trying to spend time with your family and, and um, that kind of thing. So on the emotional level, that could be like, um, are you getting overly involved with your clients? Or are you talking too much? Um, mm-hmm. are, are you um, really paying attention to the session or is there some transference, counter-transference happening um, and you're getting tangled up with your client's drama? That can be exhausting in and of itself mm-hmm. and is a totally separate feeling of exhaustion um, than what it feels like to be physically exhausted. Um, and then, of course, on a spiritual level, you could be exhausted. Um, Stephanie, I liked what you said about like diversifying the um, types of massage and services that you're doing, um, because I find sometimes, like on a spiritual level, if we're not fulfilled by what we're doing as massage therapists, then we can experience burnout on a spiritual level too. And so, diversifying, finding new and different things to do, can help us feel more satisfied on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on that, Irene?
2: Sure, I can talk about this forever so here's the, here's the thing. Um, people work if they're doing this as a career, as an income revenue generator as opposed to a hobby, right? there's two different two different people. Um, if we're talking about the person who's using massage as a way to generate revenue, they do it. And not only are they generating revenue, but they're also getting other variables by being a therapist. So we're paid and I talk about this in my book, we're paid in five different areas. I call it remit, R-E-M-I-T. And so the M is money, we're paid in money. That's fine. We're also paid by boosting our reputation. So for people who feel good about being a provider or a massage therapist, that boosts their reputation. They're proud to say it. So burnout comes to people who don't feel proud. So maybe they're associating again with people who are negative or who are practicing in ways that they don't feel are ethical or responsible or effective. So that diminishes their reputation in their mind of of their identity. I, R is reputation. E is energy. It is exhausting. It does take energy. We have to be able to manage our energy. The M is the money. The I is identity. Identity is different from reputation. Identity, Identity is what is considered what people refer to as an egoic label. Ego, egoic label. Who do they identify as? So, Charlene was talking about working for someone else. So they, so you identified as an employee. I never worked for someone else as a therapist. I was always a self-employed person. I identified as self-employed. Those two positions uh, result in different levels of stress or burnout. So. We know that stress is caused when people don't have control. We know that that's been proven. So the more control someone can have, even in an employee situation, the better. So that, of course, comes from a good working environment. And so if somebody listening is feeling burnt out right now, and they are in an employee position, my suggestion is go and see if you can take some of that control. Go and see how you can schedule your 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 session. See if you can, like Stephanie said, you know, mix it up and maybe work with different clientele or provide different types of modalities or whatever it's going to take for you to have more control. So you feel more empowered. That will help reduce burnout. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. How about you, um, Sheila? Well, I, one thing that always helped
1: me when I, um, experienced burnout and just felt like I, it's like the spa mode where you feel like you're in a mill and you're just doing the same thing over and over and you're just getting as many people in as you can and you're just working and you're not really, um, fulfilling your purpose. I always felt really rejuvenated, um, when I got back from conferences and workshops because um, again I was around all of that positive energy and was able to share my struggles with others that were experiencing um, the same uh, challenges that I was. Plus, i um, i get I get bored very easily, and uh, so I I would always love to get back from conferences because I would always learn something new. And that would keep my work fresh. And even my clients would would say, oh, you just took a class, didn't you? You've never done that before. And so they would notice that new technique and that um, always um, uh, helped to keep it fresh uh, for me. Um, And I'm I'm also glad that massage therapists are required to take um, ethics. I think massage therapists are some of the most ethical people Most are the most ethical people that I've ever met. But part of ethics also is learning how to protect yourself and not to give all of yourself away. And that's a really common uh, cause of burnout is when you just give and give and give and you don't respect your own uh, boundaries. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I will say, um, when I, so I was working in a franchise and I, the franchise didn't do that many different services, maybe like three or four different types of services. We did like Himalayan saltstone and hot stone massage and stuff. And when I went to the resort spa, I went to a spa that was so big. We had like 50 different services on our menu. Mm. And I decided I'm going to learn all these because that made my work so much fun. And then I didn't have to keep doing the same thing over and over. So that like that variety meant everything to me and learning something new was always really fun and it was really exciting. And so I definitely recommend that just like this continual learning as a massage therapist, that's what you want mm-hmm. to do. You know, the more that you learn, the more excited that you get, the less bored that you get. Cause I kind of get bored easy too. And I think a lot of us do that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a great way I think to avoid burnout, um, and then I kind of want to talk about so the length of time people are in our profession. What is it? Is it still like seven years? Kind of the average length of time a massage mm-hmm. therapist lasts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, how do you do? You think that's because of burnout? Do you think it's because of other things? I think it's
1: because of other things. I, I you know, I Stephanie, we've all been in this a, a long, long time. And when I I went to school in '93, the youngest person in my class was 19, like Charlene, and the oldest person was 63, and he had just retired from the post office. And he had always been interested in massage, so after he retired, he went to massage school uh, just as a hobby. So I think mo I think more people are coming into this in midlife. Uh, as second and third careers. And so, and and most therapists are, I think, um, older therapists are are just working Um, Mm -hmm. part-time. You know, none of the franchises were in existence um, when when we all went to massage school. So, um, you know, we've just seen, um, that's kind of like a double-edged sword now. In some ways, I, uh, you know, the franchises are giving massage therapist jobs. And that's a good thing because a lot of therapists don't want to be the boss. They want somebody to provide the space, provide the advertising. They just want to do the work.
2: I think the opposite is actually true as far as who's getting into the industry now. It's younger people who want a quick career because it is a shorter program. They're in, it's less expensive than going to a four-year college or a two-year college they can get a certificate, they can start practicing right away. Mm-hmm. And there are so many opportunities. So like you said, Sheila, they can jump into a, a franchise or start their own practice or work for any of the, uh, the mobile apps that send people around. So I think, mm-hmm. I think people are getting into it for, for a quick career choice. And then they're burning out because they're recognizing, hey, I was promised a hundred bucks an hour. It's mm-hmm. not happening. I was, you know, in in their mind, they're thinking they can work full time and easily make 100K a year. Now Mm -hmm. they can make 100K a year. There's no doubt about it. I teach people how to do that every day, but it's not so simple. You know, they do need to do the work and they need to be proficient. There's a lot to it. It's not just what you do with your hands, the bedside manner running the business as a business, if you're self-employed. So there's a lot of variables that I don't think people are aware of when they get into the practice into, into private practice or into the industry. Well,
3: sorry about that. Anything else on that Charlene? Yeah. I was just thinking as Irene was talking, how, um, one thing I wish I would have gotten more of in massage school was like, Coaching and counseling and direction on what I ultimately wanted to do with my massage practice and um, what it looked what it would look like for me when I got out of school, um, like Irene said, like we're all promised, you know that we can make $100 an hour. Um, and we can, I agree with you. And there's a lot of things that come along with that, you know, so like early on, if you can define what you want to do with your career, maybe be okay with starting um at a position that maybe isn't your ideal position just to get some experience and some practice so you can actually learn what it takes um, to, you know, maybe go on and either own your own practice um, or move up into management ranks or even into education, you know, all of those things can certainly help curb the burnout as well. But you asked like, um, why is seven years the, uh, the mark, you know, Um, and I think, you know, for people who are just turning out and doing massages and not running their own practice, of course, it's probably physical burnout, but, you know, for those of us running our own practices, it's, um, at least for me, um, burnout came for me because I was like, um, you know. Uh, one-man dog and pony show, you know, I'm doing it all, <laughs> everything, you know, I'm the secretary and uh, the massage therapist, and I'm the person that does all the cleaning and communication and, you know, all those things in the business. So like, I wish I would have had a little bit help, a little bit more help, a little bit sooner in defining what all roles we play as a massage therapist, besides just the hands-on part of it. Oh my goodness. Yes. I agree with that. You know, since I started this business, it's like,
0: you know, I'm working, I work so much, I work so much and I love it, but I also do have the freedom to be like, okay, I'm not going to work today. I'm just going to go to South mountain and go hiking or something. Right. So that's nice because I don't really have ongoing clients that are taking my time. You know what I'm saying? I can just kind of like do my work as I kind of want to do my work and I love to work. So it's fine with me, you know, but I am kind of getting to the point where it's like, I need an assistant. I need someone to help me. I want someone to do my marketing for me. You know what I mean? So it does kind of get to that point where you have to start to delegate. And, um, as a massage therapist, we're not taught how to do that either, right? Mm -hmm. We're taught how to do hands-on therapy. And if we want to do a private practice, or we want to have a business with employees, we have to learn how to start to give up some of that control and let other people help us too. Right. Well, school teaches it's a, it's a
2: vocational school. That's what they're teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. You know people get disappointed that the school didn't teach business or marketing. Mm-mm. Some schools do. But again, that's not what the school's purpose is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know, if you go mm-hmm. into it with your eyes open and you recognize this is teaching me the clinical competency, all the rest will come outside and that's you know what business coaches do or business programs teach. Marketing programs teach. So there's there's ways to find that information. And absolutely, once you get to a point where you decide you do not want to be the tactician the whole time, that's where you hire or or you know arrange for support, assistance. The very first thing I did when I went into private practice from the very beginning is I always had an assistant answering my phones. And that's why within a few months I was making thousands and thousands of dollars and my uh, colleagues who had gone to the school with me and, and granted my degree was in rehab therapy so I have a four-year degree before I went to massage school so I you know I, I came in with a higher level of education but I still didn't know what to do with my hands and a massage so I was learning that piece but I knew the importance of having somebody answer the phone when I was in with a client for an hour the phones were ringing. Somebody's saying, "Hey, I want an appointment. If I'm not there, they're going to hang up and go to the next person, unless they were referred to me." So, you know, the very first step, if you are a solo practice, and again, I just want to give advice and support for people who are listening, hire somebody, arrange for somebody, even if it's your sister, to pick up the phone for an hour, or respond to a text, or reply to an email. Somebody needs to be the, the front of your business while you're serving your clients, if that's what you want to do. And at some point you may decide you want to be more of the manager or the administrator of the practice. And that's where you have other therapists mm-hmm. who are working with you, for you, alongside
1: you.
0: And mm-hmm. Sheila, did you have something to add to that?
1: Well, yes, with that, this, uh, the school's, job is to teach you um, the tactical end of this to teach you how to do massage and to make you proficient at that. And then when you get out of school that is where your learning starts in marketing, in business, in promotion, in and fine-tuning and kind of sharpening the saw, so to speak. and and part of uh, being a grown-up is knowing when to ask for help. You, you have to be able to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're smart because you cannot do it all by yourself.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, you can, and then it leads to burnout. right? <laughs> yes. And then you crash and burn and say, mm-hmm. I'm done. Getting back, Stephanie, to why people only last a certain number of years. In my experience, it's also because they can't figure out the business piece. Mm-hmm. So they can't figure out how to make enough money doing their pra- practice. Uh, so they end up taking, taking a real job, right? Quotes, air quotes.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I wanted to give each one of you kind of a chance to speak about like your individual situations and how you help. So like Charlene, um, like you do entry-level education in addition to massage therapy, right? So you've kind of like been able to diversify how you are making money as a massage therapist. And I wanted you to kind of speak to that, like, has that helped you with burnout? And what are some of the things that have really helped you kind of overcome burnout in your career?
3: Yes. To the first question, um, diversifying certainly helped. I feel strongly that uh, there are times in our practice when it's necessary to step away a little bit, uh, not necessarily completely, possibly, um, but at least partially. Um, education did that for me um, in an interesting way. I was still close to the material um but I was working with it in a different way. So um, certainly education, um, being an educator, being an instructor, you know, you have to learn the things that you're teaching at least better than your students. Right. Um, And then you have to be able to articulate them. And, you know, so that all helped me work on my communication skills as a therapist and it kind of played back and forth like that. So that was important to me. Um, yeah, the other thing that really helped me, you asked what other things have helped me with burnout. Um, and I'll go back to what you said earlier about the modalities. So you introduced my um, Thai massage and shiatsu, and um, I really do credit those practices for keeping me in this industry for as long as I have been um, learning how to use my entire body and my whole self um, to show up and be present um from my clients has made all of the difference in the world. Um, and it allows me to be a little bit more selective with my attention and to be clearer um, in my practice um, with my boundaries and um, be aware of like how much of myself that I'm actually giving to each client in each session. So, um, time massage and Ashiatsu, everybody says, yeah, use your feet, use your body. It'll be, um, good for you and it'll extend your career. I just want to remind everybody that it's still a physical profession and that it's okay you know, to be tired at the end of the day, and it is quite normal, right? So while we're trying to prevent that from happening, um, I think we do kind of have to accept that it's a physical job and there are things that we can do, like learn a new modality that will help us back out of the burnout, Um, but ultimately it's a physical job. And um, when I was learning how to condition my own body to maintain um, a private practice, in my Thai massage and Ashiatsu. Um, one thing I realized early on is that um, when I go to physically condition my body, um, It's actually counterproductive for me to go do very hard, intense activities like weightlifting and um, kickboxing and like distance running and things like that, because it aggravates my already tired body. So I've learned how to incorporate like conditioning in softer physical activities. So uh, yoga and swimming, uh, breath work and meditation, those kinds of things I feel like are more nurturing practices that are on the other side of the very physically demanding, um, active energy that we have to put into our practices as massage therapists. So I would encourage, I would encourage all massage therapists to find some nurturing practices like that and, um, take it easy on the, um, trying to be like an, Ironman triathlete and, you know, run a full-time practice. I, I won't say that it's impossible, but it's difficult and it'll probably eventually burn you out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Sheila, so how about you on this
0: one? Like you, your practice is mostly with seniors. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted you to speak to, do you think that creating like a niche for yourself like that is something that can help you overcome burnout?
1: Well, absolutely. I, I believe because it, it narrows your focus. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: when you have a, uh, when you have a focus, um, for me, it's that, that is my purpose and it is a way that I can use all of myself. And, uh, and, and that's very, um, where else can you do that? Um, uh, and I'd, I would also like to speak, um, Stephanie. You brought up a really uh, great—I mean, um, Charlene—you brought up a really great point as far as your conditioning um, with this, um, especially with my work. Um, I, of course, I don't—I'm not doing neuromuscular. Uh, it's more about the techniques and the body mechanics than it is about the pressure because the seniors just, they need the touch, they need the nurturing, they need really specific techniques that will also help me protect my body. But in, instead of the re- weight training and strength training, it's more about endurance and being able to last throughout the day and spacing yourself so you have that energy to maintain uh, through Throughout the day, mm-hmm. now, plus uh, I I really love working with seniors because this is a population they they don't they're not trying to sell you anything. The only thing they want from you, they want to help you. I, when I go into this community, I feel like I'm working in a bank. If I have any problems in my life. There is a retired uh, insurance agent there that had their own insurance agency. There's a, uh, many uh, retired professors there and someone there will be able to answer my question and help me um, with whatever I need help with. And that is just uh, such a gift.
0: That is, that's really cool. I know a lot of us kind of think like, oh, well, our clients might not be able to help us with that, but I've had some clients too that have been able to help me with certain things. You know, there's no reason why we can't work together with our clients in that Mm -hmm. manner. So I think that's awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. And then Irene, I wanted to save you the last for this, because I think that you have some really great ideas and some answers to this question on, you know, you started your own modality. And now Mm -hmm. you do a lot of telehealth work on over Zoom with your clients. How did you do that? And how has that helped you stay in business and overcome burnout in your practice? Mm, How did I do that? Meaning how did I develop my own modality? How did you do that?
2: Yes. (laughs) How did I do that? Well, (laughs) I when I was 15, I broke my neck, acrobatics. I was completely paralyzed. I'll tell the short version. I was complete, uh, obviously I'm moving now. I was completely paralyzed. I was in chronic pain. Physical therapy when I was 15 years old was a long time ago and completely different than it is now. So basically after 64 days in the hospital flat on my back, I had surgery and then one session of PT and they said, you're good. You're young. You're strong. See you later. I couldn't sit up on my own. I had no muscle tone whatsoever. I could barely stand. I had to learn how to rehab myself. So I figured it out. Luckily I was able to, you know, get books and read and learn. And I had been really active as a kid. I was a gymnast and an acrobat. So I took what I just instinctively knew. And I, I started moving and started strengthening and started developing, uh, more fit, more more ability to, uh, I was still in braces for, you know, I still couldn't move my head. I still had a Philadelphia collar on for, I think it was six months, but I learned that if I, you know, just challenged myself in certain ways then I would start to reduce my pain. My mom at the time, God bless her. She suggested a massage therapist come to our house to work on my neck because that's where my pain was. Instinctly, again, this is, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't know what I was doing. My therapist luckily was, was open to listening to me. And I'd say, you know, press right there. And then I'd have them hold it. And I'd start doing the movement. I started activating the muscles. My brain, of course, started paying attention and releasing the tension. And so little did I know at that time, that that was the start of the diamond method which we now call, call act. we're changing the name from active myofascial therapy to active modulation therapy. Because again, the science is showing that we can't specifically address the fascia. So it started way back when, just as a way to rehab myself, my therapist at the time, that one therapist, he would take, he took what we were doing and went out with his own clients and, and came back and said, Irene, this is amazing. I'm getting really fast results. So I knew I was onto something, but I, sort of put it aside. I was in high school, finished out my high school, got my degree in rehab therapy. And then again, as a way to make money for the travel company, I took the movement therapy, I took the ma- the manual massage therapy and I packaged it up into a rehab method, using my clients as guinea pigs, using myself as guinea pigs, using my friends and family as guinea pigs. And the results were so fast that I knew I was onto something I thought, well, you know, therapists would come to me and say, well, how are you helping them? Or I have pain therapists, a pain specialists and um, physicians sending their patients to me wondering what the heck was I doing? Non-surgical, you know, non-pharmacological, non-pharmacolo- and I was getting them really fast and not only fast and efficient, but comprehensive, long-lasting results. So I figured why not take this idea and put it together in somewhat of a package and start teaching them so i started and i'm still teaching and it was recognized in physical therapy industry as well as massage industry and personal training and the reason it works so well is and it well first of all it's super simple to learn therapists who study it learn it quickly and it is applicable to so many different environments now the 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 whole key i call it the inside out approach because as you know typical massage you lay on the the client lays on the table it's an outside in approach. The therapist does something from the outside to the client. Typical chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, those are all outside in approaches. Well, with active myofascial therapy or modulation therapy, the client is doing the movement under the therapist's guidance. It's an inside out approach. They're activating, their brain is paying attention on a completely different neurological level. So the results are really comprehensive and fast acting and profound life-changing for migraines, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, sciatica, all all the orthopedic conditions. So that's how the method became a method. (laughs) Now, a lot of this whole conversation, I'll just kind of give you my insight. And again, I see this from a perspective of not only a, a clinician, but also a business coach. The whole conversation today has been about being a massage therapist and burnout, a massage therapist and what they learn in school. A massage therapist, massage therapist, massage therapist. <laughs> that's fine, but that's a modality. And I really want to take the conversation here and in when I work with clients and other clinic owners, is we take it from massage. And Stephanie, you said, "How did I do? How do? How am I doing telehealth? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not doing massage." Right. Because who can do massage over video? You can't, I cannot touch you. So it, it, you cannot identify only as a massage therapist if you want to be working with people through video. You cannot do it. Just like you can't cut hair over video. So what do you do instead? You identify, again, we get back to my remit. How do you identify? How do you, How do you represent yourself? Well, you could be a pain specialist like I am. You could be a wellness con- coordinator. You could be a health strategist. You, c- you could be anything, right? The beauty is you can call yourself anything the heck you want, but then that opens up a, a world for you that you can do over video. Mm-hmm. So massage therapists who are identifying as massage therapists who are using video or telehealth, they're not really doing massage. They're maybe teaching massage, right? They're teaching self-massage. They're talking about massage. But the truth is, if you look at their sessions, they're probably also talking about some movements and some stretches and some nutrition and maybe breathing and maybe awareness and all the other variables that are not massage. Right. <laughs> so how am I able to get results? Well, first of all, because the Diamond Method is movement-based. Mm-hmm. So I look at their posture and movement and their restrictions and their limitations and their um, pain patterns. And I look at where they might need more flexibility or more stability or more strength or all of that stuff. And I guide them through video. So I can, and my clients, my coaching clients who are doing their therapy, their video visits, they are seeing profound results. One of the women in my group this week, she was talking about, she does lymphatic, that's her modality, not massage, but lymphatic manual drainage. And so she is working with her clients, getting profound results, but she's not touching them. So what is she doing, right? She's advising, She she's going from a tactician, a clinician to an advisor, a consultant, a educator, a supporter. A partner to help get the end result Mm -hmm. and that's a key distinction as well people who are going to a massage therapist are going for an end result so if we can help them get that end result whether it's putting our hands on them or through the video they're happy it may not be the same experience right we know that But if I want to end up in Hawaii and I want to not take a boat or not swim, I want to fly. Do I really care if I'm on a 747 or a 797? I don't, I just want to get to Hawaii. That's my end result. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And we have to remember that as well. And that's how we can translate what we are doing to video.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. I know one of the things that I experienced as a massage therapist, like there were times where I would, you know, recommend, um, and I wouldn't prescribe, but I would recommend very gently, you know, Hey, I've taken this herb before and it helped me with this. Maybe you should ask your doctor about it or, Hey, I've, um, I drink, um, golden milk sometimes to help me with my pain. Here's a recipe. If you're interested, take a look at it. Right. So I will be very careful about my word choices of how I recommend things to clients, but I would do that. Um, and that really helped my clients a lot. And if I wasn't quite sure if, you know, it was going to work with our body, I would always make sure to say, Hey, ask your doctor about it first, but here's an idea that can help you. And that, um, I think that really helped my clients and it really helped me keep clients coming back because I did more than just massage therapy. There's a lot more than just touching them on the table. Yeah. And it was, um, I think that as therapists, we need to be able to trust in the extra knowledge that we have, that we learn in school and we learn over time. And just from our own self-care, because it's so important to us, the things that we're learning, you know, as far as movement, exercise, um, diet, nutrition, um, you know, all the little tips and tricks that we use for our, for ourselves, we can pass that knowledge on to our clients in a way that's not prescribing. You just have to be kind of careful with how you say it. Right? What do you so guys you also think about have that?
2: To, You also have to stay in your scope of practice. Yes, because just because you know how to work out doesn't mean that you know how to educate someone else on that. So that I think that has to be really careful as far as what you're suggesting. But what it does is, if you take your again, if you remove yourself from being a massage therapist to being a pain specialist, a wellness coordinator, or whatever, it opens up the ability to use the other things that are within your scope. Too often I see therapists who do an, let's say an hour massage. So they'll do an hour on the table. And then on the way out, they'll say, let me show you this stretch that's really helpful. And it may be totally in their scope of practice, but it's a throwaway on the way out the door. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, wait a minute, why are you doing it after the session? Well, because it's not massage. Well, that's because you're selling massage. So stop selling massage and sell the end result. And then it becomes part of the session. Mm -hmm. And it's all about business though, because again, if a client is coming for massage, that's not massage, then they get disappointed or then they feel ripped off because the session with your hands on them was only 47 minutes instead of 57 minutes.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. I've had that experience. <laughs> Probably a lot of us have. Yeah. Um, and again, why? Because it comes from thinking
2: they're doing massage. Yeah. That's the difference. It's a mind, it's a paradigm shift for the practitioner or the clinic owner, as well as for the client.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about recovery. We have just a few minutes left. So I wanted to talk about, What can we do to actually recover from burnout when we are experiencing it? Once we recognize it and we know what's happening to us and we know that this is a terrible feeling that we're having all all the time, how do we stop it? (laughs) So I wanted each of you to see if you could speak to that just a little bit. What do we do?
3: I mean, my initial... Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Yay. We all want to recover. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my initial thought was just like the first thing we have to do as soon as we recognize it and we've identified it, um, we have to make time to reflect on it and learn from it. Um, You know, we have to ask ourselves okay, so what happened to get me into this state in the first place? Um, What was I doing? Um, You know, was it a particular client that I worked on? Was, you know, what about that day made it particularly hard? How did I get here? Um, And then we have to decide what levels we're tired on, as I talked about earlier, it's not just physical exhaustion. And then once we've identified that, figuring out like what changes we need to make um, to avoid some of those pitfalls in the future, mm-hmm. right? So like as soon as we recognize we're burnout, it that's it's already too late to do something about it, right? So like mm-hmm. it, we should stop right then. Um, And I know that's difficult to do like, because it might mean asking you to call into work or cancel a couple of appointments for the day. Um, And I know those things are really hard, especially, you know, when we're kind of tied to our incomes, and we certainly need to go in and make some money. But um, you know, trying to find a way to be okay with that, you know, and just saying, you know what, I'm just not going to be effective today. And what would be more effective for me would be to sit down and do some reflecting, some journaling, um, some, you know, outdoor time, whatever it is um, that allows me to kind of go inside and figure out like why did I get to this place in the first place and what are like one or two things that I can do starting today, moving forward, um, to help me avoid that. And I think the more we do that, the more we encourage ourselves and identify what our triggers to burnout are, um, and the easier it is to find balance, you know, in our practice. So, yeah.
1: Amen. (laughs) All right. I I, t- I totally hear you. And uh, I was going to say that the first thing we need to do is take a step back. And, you know, just like I think massage therapists are incredible detectives. You know, we're taught that with just your intake form. You're trying to assess uh, this client and, and give them what they need and what they're coming to you for to put Irene's words in it to get that end result. Well, just like when when we're trying to help that client, we need to take those same steps to help ourselves. So the first thing is to take a step back and look at the whole picture. Are you not getting enough rest? Are you not saying no when you need to say no? Do you need to ask for help? And you're not asking for help. So I, I really, um, I, 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 I like that Charlene a lot. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, Irene?
2: I think that's it. You know, taking control again, stress comes from lack of control.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, I wanted to thank all of you guys for coming on the show today. We're gonna to go ahead and wrap this up, but before we go, can you guys let people know how to find you? So, Charlene, let's have you go first. Um, how can people find you?
3: Oh, let's see. Okay, so um my organization is Elevate Massage Training. You can find us on the world wide web, elevate massage dot training. Um, we also have a Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at train elevate T R A I N E L E V. And then the, uh, number eight. Okay. And Sheila, how do people find you?
1: You can find me through senior spa. Uh, I used to be a world of good geriatric massage and spa therapies, which I thought was way too long. So I simplified it to Senior Spa, and that is my method, and it's seniorspa.net on the World Wide Web, um, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: All right. Sounds good. And then, Irene, how about you?
2: If people want to learn about the clinical competency piece, it's the Diamond Method. And Diamond Active Massage is just launching this year, and the reason it's about activating people and planet is because... The providers who, or the spas, it's going to be very high-end luxury. But the people who are providing it, or the locations, have to have a sustainability piece of their business. That's one of the prerequisites, and then uh, then they can offer that. So thediamondmethod.com, and then if anybody who does want to chat with me about growing their practice, my whole thing is, you know, filling your bank account and your soul without being book solid, without being book solid. Again, the opposite. So many people, I myself, when I came into it was, I gotta be book solid eight hours a day. And I was, and therefore there came the burnout. So how I flip it on its head is you can make a ton of money. (laughs) You work (laughs) leveraged. You can work with your dream clients without being book solid. And if you, anybody wants to chat about how I might be able to help them do that, they can go to irenediamond.com forward slash schedule. And it's a chat. It's not a sales call. It's not a coaching call. It's a let's explore and see what you're doing, what you've got going on, what I've got going on. And if we can work together and I can help you simplify your practice to a concept I call a precise private practice, where you're taking just the precise people you want to work with, providing the precise types of modalities and therapeutic approach you want. That's what, that's what we'll do. So IreneDiamond.com, diamond.com. And there's a lot of free information there. I've got a blog there. I've got year, years of posts. So tons of tons of info. And then I'm all over the web. So people can just do a search for Irene diamond therapy and pretty much <laughs> something will come up, lead you on a little path of YouTube or interviews or podcasts or something.
0: Yes. And is your book out yet? I know you're writing a book right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: um, the, the rough draft is out. It has already helped a whole lot of people, but it's not officially published yet. And that's design your dream practice.
0: Okay. And when should we look for that?
2: Ah, well (laughs) with COVID um, I'm anticipating probably two months from now.
0: Okay. I'll be looking for it for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. And the school, you know, again, this is going to be a book that anybody can, can read, but I'm also hoping that massage therapy schools, physical therapy schools, chiropractic schools start to use it because again, it's a, it's the, it's the business piece that the schools are not giving. So it's a nice resource.
0: Yes. Bravo. All right. Well, it's been really great having all of you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Um, you can find me at www.usolmt.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on the USO LMT massage podcast. We hope that you found this episode fun and informative. You can be a part of the making of our podcast by joining massage therapists, redefining the future on Facebook, where you'll be able to choose the topics that we discuss and send in questions to be answered on the show. Check Check us out at www.usolmt.com. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at USOLMT. Join our Facebook group, Massage Therapists Redefining the Future. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at USOLMTMassageOrg. Also, let us know if you have any questions or would like more information by writing us at BeTheChange at USOLMT.com. Also, be sure to check out the video description down below for links to the resources that we discussed on the channel. If you're listening um, on Spotify, or just listening to one of our audio podcasts, please go over to YouTube um, and visit the video and check out the links that we have there for you with all of the resources. Also, please subscribe to our audio and our video podcast for further episodes. Thank you so much for watching and for listening, and we'll see you next time.